How's everybody doing this morning? Are you guys doing all right? Good. Hey, we want to welcome you to the River Church if this is uh, your first time here. Uh, this is kind of exciting because last year, or last year, whoo, last Sunday we had our one-year anniversary, which was exciting. Uh, so we, as a church, we turned one, and we celebrated with birthday cake in the lobby. That was awesome. And then the other thing that's exciting about today in particular is we're kicking off a new series called The Gospel of John. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, part of the reason that uh, our senior pastor, uh, Brother Mike, is not up here this morning, uh, he, he, he texted me on Wednesday and he said, hey man, I'm at the doctor. I said, uh-oh. And he was like, hey, uh, I want you to know I've got an upper respiratory infection. Now listen, he's here this morning, so I don't want you to like, you know, be scared or anything like that. Uh, but probably a handshake. If you don't get a handshake from the pastor, don't get upset, okay? That, that's all I need to say. So my name's Joel. I'm part of the staff here at the River Church. I'll be speaking this morning. And uh, just excited that you're here. Uh, I'm excited to kind of kick off John for you because uh, it's going to be really good. My wife and I serve here at the River Church. We've been here uh, since the beginning. And my wife is actually uh, one of the instructors and the leaders over in Kids Creek. So your kids are in good hands. She's been prepping. She's awesome. So uh, so I'm excited to hear how they are uh, doing this morning. Also, um, I'm from Atlanta originally. I, I live in Watauga from Atlanta, so rise up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so anyway, just had to just throw that in there uh, before we get started. <laughs> go Cowboys. Okay. There you go. Go Cowboys. Here we go. All right. So before we get started this morning, uh, I want to go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to be opening up to the book of John, okay? The series is called The Gospel of John. We're going to be starting in John. I want to tell you this before I get started. Every time that I'm ever up here on the stage, I'm very humbled by this experience. For this reason, you know, I heard a guy tell me one time, he said, some of the most vital organs of the body, you know that Jesus calls the the church the body of Christ. Some of the most vital organs of the body are the ones that aren't seen, And so I want you to know this morning, just because I'm up here talking doesn't make me the most vital organ of this church. We've got people who serve every Sunday at our church. They unpack the trailer. They they pack everything up. They do incredible things here at the service. Uh, And I just want to say thank you to you guys. And this morning, I also want to tell you this. Um, We're starting this new series. I don't know where you come from. Uh, I don't know what you've been going through. But I want to tell you this. We're going to be exploring a pretty incredible passage this morning, and if you're a person who has a lot of doubt, listen, you're not going to be judged in this place. If you've got a lot of questions about who Jesus is, uh, his identity, uh, he welcomes you. I don't know, uh, a lot of times we feel like if we've got questions or doubt that we, we, we can't come to Jesus or anything like that. In fact, there was a guy in the Bible called Thomas. He even doubted that Jesus rose from the dead. You know what Jesus did? He said, come here. I want you to feel the holes in my hand where the nails were. He welcomed him. And so this morning, if you've got doubt or you're struggling, we're going to explore a passage that is incredibly powerful this morning. And I pray that it answers a lot of questions for you. But no, Jesus isn't pushing you away if you have doubt. He's not afraid of that. He's saying, come here, I want to show you. So this morning is going to be a really good uh, a good morning. I'm excited about it. Uh, when you turn to that passage, just go ahead and turn to your neighbor and just let them know they look good this morning. Y'all just do that. Some people work hard on Sunday morning to get ready. It's important. We want to share the love. I know some of y'all are on the church softball team. Y'all looking at each other like, hey, man, uh, you look nice. Uh, And it's awkward for you. All right, so before we read this, I, I hope that you sense this, a feeling of anticipation. 
we're about to explore the Gospel of John. And this is one of the most incredible stories ever told. And so I'm not afraid of emotions, and I hope you're not afraid of them, that you begin to feel an anticipation, like something is about to happen, something big, not just in this story, but maybe there's something big about to happen in your life. Something is about to change in your life. And so as we read this story, I I pray that your feeling and what you sense is a sense of anticipation. When we read what John is saying here, uh, you're going to feel a sense of, oh no, something is about to happen. All right, so here's what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and read the passage for us, and then we're going to be- begin. It's 1 John 1 through 18. And please forgive me if I get a little excited. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might, be, might, excuse me, might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone, or excuse me, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were, who were born not of natural descent, or the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one whom I said, the one coming after me. He ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son who is himself God, and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you for the scripture. God, thank you for your son. Lord, I pray this morning that I'm able to get out of the way, God, that we in this building hear your voice so clearly that our lives will never be the same. God, as we explore this, Lord, that you speak to us this morning and challenge us. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and everybody said amen. Guys. We just read probably one of the most incredible passages, and I'm going to try to share a little bit about this passage. I'm really going to rely on you going back and reading it because it's so heavy, so packed in there that, uh, yeah, it's going to leave your mind blown. So here's what I want to do. Before we start, I want to talk about John, all right? Uh, Have you guys ever heard of John? There's a lot of Johns. John, John. I don't mean like the Philly style. I'm talking like John, all right? He was one of the 12 disciples, You guys heard of the disciples? John was one of the 12 disciples. We're talking about John the Apostle. Here's how special John was, okay? Five times in the scripture, they use this phrase, the, the the one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. All right, and if you take a look at the, in the scripture, if you look at last chapter 21 in John, 21 verse 20, it says this, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Verse 24 says this, this is the disciple who testifies these things and wrote them down 
we know that his testimony is true. So when we're reading the book of John, you need to know that this isn't just some dude who was lived 100 years you know, after and trying to put some stuff together uh, to tell you the story of Jesus. All right, This guy walked with Jesus. You understand? Like This guy was there. He was a witness. Okay, And it says this, that John the apostle, the one who was with Jesus, was the one who wrote this. So if in your mind you have some question about the validity of this gospel or this story, just know straight up it came from one of the dudes that was with Jesus, okay? All right? Uh, and so you need to know that going in. This is history, all right? This isn't just some cute Sunday school story, okay? This is history. This is not, uh, like I said, this isn't something somebody made up or someone penned a thousand years later to try to remember. This passage and this book is from a man who was with Jesus, all right? This is a very close account. John himself was there. Not only this, let me say this. He wasn't just a reliable spokes, spokesman. We believe uh, as Christ followers that this, was the, this is the divine word of God. It was divinely inspired. And as you read later in John, and we're going to get into it, we're not going to do that today, but you're going to find that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help the apostles write this stuff down. Okay, and so, listen, this isn't just like a, a cool guy wrote some stuff down. No, this is inspired by God, written by somebody who was there. Okay, right, and so when you read the, the book of John, you have to know that jumping in, all right? And they gave him the Holy Spirit, and not only that, the story was written for us. It was written for us. Let's go ahead and get into it. Whew, all right. I don't know if y'all are ready for this. John 1, in the beginning, all right, I'm going to stop right there. Wow, I'm telling you, like, if we go at this rate, we're, we're never going to get through John. All right, listen, the last, time, uh, the, the last time we heard in the beginning, at the beginning of a chapter in the scripture, was in Genesis. All right, and I think that John knew what he was doing. When he sat down to write, I'm telling you, think about how powerful this is. You're a person who walked with Jesus his entire life, and now you're, it's an emotional experience. It was difficult for John and the disciples. We read that. He's going to sit down and write. He was very, very intentional about what he was writing, and he says, in the beginning, all right? It's funny. If you look at the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, right? These are the other guys, the other accounts of Jesus' uh, story. They kind of, they kick it off with a lineage. What's interesting, they, you remember like so-and-so begat so-and-so, so-and-so begat so-and-so. It's like all the lineage, right? John doesn't do that. It's interesting. He, he skips the lineage and he goes straight to the divinity. That's, that's important. You're going you're gonna to want to look at that, okay? And he says this, I love this, man. In Genesis 1-1, it points to the creation of the earth. In John 1-1, points to the new creation we are in Christ. In Genesis, we begin with the first man, Adam. In John, we deal with the second man, Adam, Jesus. The first man fall, fails in the beginning, but the second man, Adam, Jesus, finishes what the first Adam failed to do. And then the first man, Adam, died with his bride, and the second Adam died for his bride. You, get, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? So when Paul, or excuse me, John is writing this, there's some significance right at the jump, in the beginning. And I just think it's so powerful. Listen, we read the Bible. We, we all read the Bible, you know, in our devotion time or whether we're just kicking at the house, whatever, and we read the passages. How often do we just, we just dig, we, we soak it up? And in the beginning, those words are so powerful. When he uses the term in the beginning, this time, he's talking about a, a new beginning. He's talking about a, a new birth. He's talking about something is about to happen, 
Remember that emotion I was saying, don't be afraid of, of something's about to happen in my life. Something's about to happen in the world we live in. Uh, something's about to happen in the Gospel of John. Listen, he's saying in the beginning, and he's, and he's starting off with something important. Uh, I have this uh, thing where uh, it's this type of promise that's very important to me, all right? It's, it's super, super important, and it's a type of promise. Like, if you promise this, you're, like, etching it in stone, okay? Like, if you break this promise, there's some serious consequences. Like, uh, it, it means almost certain death. It's called the pinky promise. Y'all, y'all, y'all know what a pinky promise is? Y'all ever seen a pinky promise? Maybe y'all had the spit-in-the-hand shake, you know what I'm talking about, promises? What's interesting about, <laughs> what's interesting about uh, the John... Is we begin to a promise begins to be revealed to us, and I want to point out something that I was studying that uh, pretty much uh, basically is uh, shouting material. Okay, so if you feel it like I feel it, don't be afraid to shout or say something uh, because it's pretty incredible. Like I can't even express to you. This is like one of them drop the mic kind of passages. Okay, this is like one of them change your life kind of passages. All right, what we're about to read, I pray just just changes your life forever. Let's just take a look at it, and I want to look at the word promise for a minute, all right? If you take a look, look at the word promise, all right, the word promise finds its root word in the word proclaim, okay? Proclaim, which means to proclaim over. The source word for promise and proclaim, all right, the source word is a Greek word called logos, all right? Logos, the reason this, this word's so special, the logos actually means in Greek, word. So if the, the, the uh, root word for promise is proclaim, okay, the source word for proclaim, Lord, source word for proclaim, all right, is logos, and logos means word. Uh, we can read this passage differently. Listen, here's, here's what's significant about the word logos real quick. Let me just read this to you. All right. In the Greek, all right, logos is important because it means the source of all things. Logos means the source of all things. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that. It just mean, it even means the meaning of the cosmos. It means reality. So when John is sitting down and he's writing these words, in the beginning was the word. He wasn't writing just like, oh, some words. He was speaking to the philosophical and the cultural reference of the term. So if, so if promise means proclaim, proclaim means logos, and logos means word, we can read the passage like this. Whew. In the beginning was a promise, and the promise was with God, and the promise was God. I'm telling you this morning, like, the promise was God. And so here, here's what's interesting about this, like I was saying about the logos, right, is this. In Judaism, logos is kind of how God communicated with people with men, it, all right? It, and what is different about that in Christianity is the logos, the word, the promise becomes personal. We know the logos to be Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, right? Not that Jesus makes promises, but he himself is the promise, all right? And so begin to kind of let that sink in. Listen, I know it's some sci-fi stuff, Listen, if you read sci-fi, you watch the sci-fi channel and you love it, I'm telling you, you read the Bible, your mind's going to get blown. But listen, he is the promise, all right? And it's just crazy because 
when John sits down to write, he says, in the beginning, and then he basically drops the spiritual MMA punch to the face, Rousey, like it's crazy. And he says that, you know, you can imagine if you were a Greek or a Jew reading that, imagine how powerful that is, okay, that Jesus, that the Logos is personified in Jesus. This was huge. And the, and the, way, the best way I can think about Jesus and what he's trying to describe here is that Jesus is the promise for your need. This morning, you may be a person who's struggling with something, man. You are battling something in here or in here, and you're dealing with some pain. You're dealing with some regret, your uh, unforgiveness. You're dealing with something, and what, what John is saying right out the gate is Jesus is the promise. He is the one who can fix you. He's the one that, need, that, that can change your life. I've always thought about it like this. is the best way I can kind of describe it. Imagine you were on death row, right? Guilty. You got about 10 seconds before they hit you with the shot, and you're done. And in that 10 seconds, a stranger walks in, right? And he walks in, he says, wait, 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 wait. No, let him free. Let her free. Take me instead. And Jesus, what he's saying is the sin that maybe you've committed, the struggle that you've got going on inside your life, whatever it is, the the guilt, the shame, all of that, what Jesus wants to do is he wants to take your place. He wants to take that away from you. And it's powerful because John just kicks it off with that. It's insane. And the reason this was so revolutionary was think about this. He's saying that the word became flesh. He's saying that Jesus was the promise. He was the Logos. The reason this was important, again, uh, was because the, well, first, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. One of the biggest takeaways, too, if you skip down, uh, is this. The word took on flesh and dwelt among us. So he's saying the word is Jesus. The promise is Jesus, and the word took on flesh and dwelt among us. And part of the reason that's so important is because this is a revolutionary concept to, to their world. The Greek, if you, you, you guys have probably studied Greek culture and Greek gods, you know, and all that kind of stuff. What's interesting about Greek culture is that there's a huge separation between divinity and humanity in their culture. Like the gods would come down and be mischievous and, and show, appear as a human, right? It would show up as a human, right, but not really a human, and would do things and all that kind of stuff. So when a Greek read this passage, right, and it says that God, the Word, came down and took on flesh, This is the biggest thing that ever happened. He didn't show up as an image. No, he became flesh. And for a Greek, this was like, oh, my gosh. Remember I said drop the mic kind of passage? Like a Greek was like, I never heard this before in my life. This is the craziest thing. Think about from a Jew's perspective. It says the uh, God came down, the word came down, and took on flesh and dwelt among us. Think about this. The last time that God dwelt with the Hebrew people and the Jews was in the wilderness, Remember, they, they, they were traveling in the wilderness. They had the tabernacle, and the priest would step into the Holy of Holies, and that's where God dwelt above the Ark of the Covenant. And the last time that God dwelt with them in that way was back in the wilderness. And so for John to come in and say, hey, listen, God took on flesh and dwelt among us. This is powerful. Like, it stirred the heart of the Jews. It stirred their soul because this was the first time they would have heard this in so long. And I pray this morning for you, when you hear that the the God of the universe, the one who made you, took on flesh, became just like you, so that he could experience the same things you experienced. He experienced pain, frustration. 
He experienced love and kindness, but he experienced so many difficult things. When you hear that, that should stir you. That should, that should want you to know more about who he is because that is the craziest, that's, that's one of the most incredible stories you've ever heard. You can study religions across the world and what sets us apart is that the God that made us and that loves us so much decided to be like us. That's crazy. That's crazy. And to our world now and to the world back then, and saying this was a revolutionary concept, <laughs> and John just boop, <laughs> dropped it in your spirit real quick right before we get started. It's just crazy. Like he just, I think what he wanted to do is he just wanted to blow your mind right away. He wants you to know that this Jesus we're talking about is way bigger than just a, a good guy. He's way bigger than just a good priest or a good teacher. He's way bigger than uh, a Muhammad or a Krishna or a Gandhi. He's way bigger than anything you may, may realize he's actually God. And remember, he walked with him. It's important because if you forget that, listen, he was with him. He was with Jesus. And so John knew what he was doing when he wrote this. You know, he's trying to help us out. I mean, think about it for a minute. John, okay, uh, he, this was written, I would imagine, after Jesus died. I know that uh, Peter says that he, he was pinning some stuff down, so he probably was writing some things during the life of Jesus. But, you know, Peter, uh, excuse me, John came back, and he's like, okay, I've been thinking about processing the words Jesus said. I've been thinking about the life of Jesus. Okay, I'm ready to write this story. And so he sits down to write, and of all the things that he could have done, he could have just went right into the story. What he does is he drops this, this huge statement right at the beginning. And you know what? This is just me. I think he did it for us. He didn't do it for him. He lived it. So when you read this, don't think this is the beginning for John. Nah, John had already lived his life with Jesus. Does that make sense? Like, this isn't the beginning for him. He wrote it for us. He's letting us know right away. He's probably, I would imagine, letting us know so we didn't have to live through the brain, you know, the turmoil of him trying to understand it. I mean, imagine, put yourself in John's shoes. You're walking with a guy, and you watch a Jesus walk up and heal a blind man, you know, or the lame start walking. Imagine hearing the words of Jesus, and you're trying to process it. Bro, we, we, you know, we rip on the disciples all the time, but think about how difficult that was. Trying to understand, like, here's a man, right, but he's doing things like God. And so what John is saying right up front, so you don't have to struggle through that, he's saying, listen, this guy Jesus is God. And it, I just love that of all the things that he chose to do, he decided to do that right there. And he knew, and, and the thing is this, and we, that's what's great about this passage, it's squashed so many arguments about the divinity of Jesus. You know, think about it, G, that John was with him. The Bible says that John was the one who laid his head on Jesus' shoulder at the Last Supper, up in the upper room. John walked with him. They ate together. They drank, they drank together, they, they, they hung out together, they walked together, traveled. They lived so much life together, you know, and uh, the, in the scripture it even says, it says we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. We physically touched his physical body. This isn't some Greek God that shows up as an image. He's not a ghost. Jesus, Jesus wasn't a ghost. He wasn't like, there, set, gone, another. No, this guy was physical, physical. And John's trying to let you know straight up, like, I know this blows your mind, but Jesus was a real man, but he was also God. Not only that, Jesus, uh, John actually, after the death of Jesus, lived and took care of Mary. So imagine that. 
Like John, the guy who wrote this, was living with Jesus' mom, hanging out with, taking care of her. Think about all the conversations they had about who Jesus was. You know, you see what I'm saying? This is real. This isn't like just some cute story. This is real. And I heard a preacher say, he said, just because John is starting with this isn't, uh, isn't, doesn't mean it's the beginning for him. He lived it. And uh, I just can't, I, over and over I think about the struggle of like trying to process what they were seeing uh, when they were walking with Jesus. And he's saying at the beginning, he's saying, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that had been created. And that's like a tongue twister. But what he's saying there is he's saying, listen, the promise of God was Jesus. Jesus showed up. He was 100% man. He was 100% God. And Jesus made you. And he made the world. And he made the galaxies. The God that made the galaxies also held children in his arms. You see what I'm saying? Like, I hope that you're beginning to piece it together. I know I'm being kind of, it's like repetition, but I want you to understand. This is hard to understand. It's a hard concept to get. But John is saying, listen, listen, Jesus is the one. And so what's interesting about this passage, I know we've read through it previously. You know, he takes it to another level of authenticity. Because he says, all right, we know this. We know John was with Jesus. John touched Jesus, felt Jesus. He knew he was physical. So John's basically just dropping the bomb of truth on you. He's like, hey, listen, listen, this is the real deal. And then he talks about John the Baptist. A lot of John. We got Johns in here. So many. Yeah, it's crazy. He talks about John the Baptist. There's John the Apostle who wrote the book. And we have John the Baptist. What's interesting about the fact that John mentions John the Baptist is because John the Baptist was actually there before John, the apostle, and his role in his life was all about, was proclaiming that Jesus was coming. This is important because, so not only is John a witness to Jesus, but so is John the Baptist. And in fact, there's like three shining moments in John the Baptist's life that where he was a witness to Jesus's divinity. The first one was in the womb. Do you guys remember that story? Mary shows up and Jesus is in the womb. And then John the Baptist's mother, which her, her name is, Luke, I lost it, can't remember her name. They, uh, they come together, right? And what happens? John the Baptist begins to leap inside the womb. You know, and so he's a witness to the divinity of Jesus. He's so excited because he knows that inside the womb of Mary is the king of kings. He's the promise. He's the word. He's divine. The second time that Jesus witnesses is a witness to his divinity was when Jesus comes and is baptized by John. Do you remember that? And John is like, no, you should be baptizing me. The one that you've been waiting for is here. And we know that to be a true. And so, again, he was a witness to Jesus' divinity. And then, remember what happened when he was in jail? He was about to die. About, they're about to kill him, right? And so he sends somebody, he's like, hey, Jesus, are, are you really the one that you say you are? And listen, we've all been in that moment of doubt, right? And they come back, they go to Jesus, and Jesus says, tell him what, he's, tell him what you've seen. Tell him, tell him everything that's happened. And so they come back, and, and he's like, look. And so, Jesus, and so uh, John the Baptist knows. 
And so he's a witness. And so that's what's cool about John the Apostle is he's like, okay, I've walked with Jesus. Listen, he's the real deal. I've touched him. And then also John the Baptist who was there with him and with Jesus' witness, he's just saying, like, if there's any question you have in your mind about the validity of what you're reading and about this passage and about this chapter, let me, let me squash any doubt you have because it's the real deal. There's multiple witnesses, and he's the truth. And so I just thought that was interesting. And so here's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to kind of just end with this. There's three things I want you to take away from this passage. The first one is the identity of Jesus, okay? First thing is identity of Jesus. He tackles it in such a powerful way, and we went through that. You know, Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. And if you don't know that personally in your life, uh, we pray that you experience Jesus in a powerful way. The second thing is uh, I want you to take away is our response to Jesus. Let's take a look at the passage real quick. It says this. It, it talks about Jesus and God being the light. And I thought that was interesting. Let's say I showed up at your house this morning. It was Sunday. I showed up at your house, and I had like a high beam flashlight. I mean, just a high beam flashlight. I walked over. Uh, to your bed and just bam hit it right in your face you know what you're gonna do you're gonna be like oh my gosh like and you're probably gonna be confused you're not gonna understand okay how to get in my house I don't I'm confused and uh and it's shocking is that has that ever happened to you probably when you walk out of this movie theater when you see the sun outside you're probably gonna be like oh my gosh it's a jolt but isn't that interesting isn't that kind of how we respond to the light of God when he shines into your life right it's uncomfortable. It's difficult. When we hear about Jesus, when he shines the truth of the gospel into your life, you begin to see like rough areas in your life that are ugly. And it says here in the, in the, in the scripture, it says, it says that, uh, talking about John the Baptist, he was not the light. He came to testify about the light, but the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And it says this, he was in the world and the world is create, or was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. It's interesting that John decides to talk about this. Because one of the things he's referencing right here is the fact that Jesus decided to reveal himself to the world through the lineage of the Jews. And so he shows up through the lineage of the Jews, right? And he shows up, he's God in flesh. The prophets have been talking about this moment for years and years and years. They were looking for the savior of the world to show up. And when Jesus finally shows up, they don't recognize him. They, they thought he was the son of Joseph. They didn't realize he was the son of God. And they were, they were confused and, and they didn't recognize him. And it would be easy for us, really, to judge the Jews, you didn't recognize Jesus. You didn't realize his importance. You didn't realize that he could change the world and change you. And uh, I just thought in my head, like, I'm the same way. You know, when Jesus shines his light into my life, you know, sometimes I don't, I, I flinch. I, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's shocking. It, I don't understand it. Uh, I don't recognize that it's really God wanting to do something in my life, and I run from it. And they failed to see, like I said, he was the son of Joseph, but they didn't know he was the son of God. And we, and he, uh, we, run, we forget to run to the one who can really change us. 
The other thing that I thought was interesting about this passage, so he, he's trying to reinforce the identity of Jesus, and we've talked about that. And he did that in a powerful way, like a drop the mic kind of way. And then he talks about our response to Jesus, right? He kind of a flinch. We don't understand. We didn't recognize it. And I, all this is preparing you for what we're about to go through in this, in this series because this is like his thesis statement. Like you're getting, you're, you're getting a spoiler alert, okay, for what you're about to read. The third thing that I thought, and this is probably one of the most powerful passages, uh, verses in this passage, and I want you to begin to think about your life through the lens of this. He says this, and it's in verse 12 through 13. He says, but to all who did not receive him, he gave them, or excuse me, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. Meaning for those who receive the word, for those who receive the promise of God, for those who receive Jesus, you get a second chance at life. And this morning, this morning, what John, I feel like, is he's wanting you to see all this, but he wants you to know that for those people who didn't recognize him, you know, they, they, we, we pray for those people. We have those people in our communities, our culture, and our families, people who fail to recognize that Jesus is the answer to what they need. And, but it says here, it says, but all who did receive him, and gave, he gave them the right to be children of God. And so this morning, I want you to know that that what it takes to surrender your life to Jesus and to kind of sacrifice and give him those things that are difficult and you're struggling with in your life, uh, it, it, it reminds me of what my sister said earlier up here on stage. She said, it, it's simple. I know you look at this passage and it's pretty complex in a lot of ways. I pray you go back and study it because there's so much more in it. But it's simple in a few ways. If we believe that Jesus is Lord, and for me, I'm gonna be honest with you, I, there's a lot of evidence for me. I'm a pretty practical person. And when I'm looking at the story of John, I'm looking at, he's explaining to me about the identity of Jesus and he's showing me all the authenticity. He's laying it before me. And, and so many people that I've seen and know, people that have come before me, my parents and different people, when I see the power that God has had in their life, that Jesus has transformed them in such a way, that's the evidence that I need to know that Jesus can change me. And my wife and I, we both have had a transformative experience in Jesus where, man, the struggles that we dealt with and the sin in our life and the things that, that were just killing us, because by nature we're self-destructive. And if you try to deny that, good luck. I mean, we all, are, we all struggle with a self-destructive nature. I'm going to tell you, Jesus can change you. You can have a second chance at life. This is the point of the Gospel of John. And I pray that you begin to realize and feel that anticipation that not only in the story is there going to be somebody who comes in and changes the landscape of the world and has the ability to change every soul that he created and save them from sin, that the people in this room, you have the opportunity to give your life to Jesus and it can change you forever. This is what John's trying to communicate to us this morning. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to have a time of prayer. We're gonna have, we'll have the band come up and play. And I want to encourage you with this. We're a church that, that prays. And this morning, maybe you're a person who's saying, like, I feel stirred in my heart. I feel God calling me. I may have never been saved before. 
I may have never given my life to Jesus, and I'm going through crap right now, and I need something different in my life. I'm tired of the monotony. I'm tired of the self-destruction, and I need something different in my life. And maybe, like I said, you've never given your life to Jesus. Today's your day. Today, it could be today. And we're going to have a time of prayer where we're going to have some people with lanyards out here praying. I'm, gonna, I'm willing to pray with you. I, I hope and I pray that you can experience the love of Jesus this morning. But this, this time of prayer isn't just for you guys. It's also for anyone who wants to pray. I know that, uh, you know, to be honest, we're a family. And I know that there's people in here struggling with sickness. We've got people who are going to be getting married soon. So we want to pray over them. We want to pray over you if you've got something going on in your life. And so let's use this opportunity to pray this morning. Go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. I don't want anybody just looking around because I want people to feel free to get up and go pray if they need to. Lord, through your apostle John, the one who walked with you, the one whom you loved, the one who touched you and physically uh, experienced your life. The words that he wrote have just impacted us and changed us and are, are just cutting away at us this morning. Lord, we recognize, God, that you are the promise. You are the one, Jesus, that can change us. And some of us in here are just sick and tired of constantly having to trudge through all the pain in our life and the unforgiveness and the, maybe people have hurt us and the struggle, God. I pray for those people this morning. I pray, Lord, that you'll set them free. Just like you've set me free. God, I pray that you just transform us this morning. God, I pray for those who are sick and struggling. I pray healing and life. God, I pray for the rest of this series. God, this is an incredible launching point. And God, we see and we kind of stand uh, on, the, on our toes at the edge of our seat, waiting and anticipating, God, what you're going to do in our lives through this series. And I'm, I'm excited. And so God, I pray, Lord, that during this time of prayer that we're about to enter into, God, that you just speak to us, change us, give us the courage to grab somebody and, and pray with them and have them pray over us. Lord, we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.